All right, here we go. Well, look at you, Reggie. You look you look quite um, focused and ready to go today for some reason. Uh, you're usually a lot more laid back. Is there something going on? No? Okay, well, look at you. You look all efficient today for some reason. I don't know why. But let's take advantage of that. I'm not, I'm not complaining. That's great. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. <laughs> if, you're, if you're set and focused and ready to go, uh, so am I. This is good, this is good to know. <laughs> you always just seem a little more laid back. But, hey, if you're, in the, if, you're, if you're in the zone, let's go with it. All right? Yeah, keep those levels where they're at. I'll give you the, the three S's, the countdown. You give me the music, I'll give you the podcast. Let's not waste time. If there's some, there's some vibe happening here, let's seize the day. Carpe diem, right? Okay. <laughs> All right, put it in the book, episode number 272. Are you ready to go? Yeah, I, clearly, you look like you're ready to go. I don't know what's going on with you today. But I like it. I like it. Okay, ready. Here we go. You're, you're, you're inspiring me. Here we go. Star, smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or we are found wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget, you're on there to uh, subscribe to and rate this podcast. Of course, listening to this podcast is not your only responsibility. If you are a listener, you are immediately and automatically enlisted to spread the word. So send a, send a message, send a link, tell your friends, tell your family, tell whoever you know who listens to podcasts that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and your devotion is much appreciated, as well as that little extra effort. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget you go to WGNRadio.com, you go to the podcast section, hit the prompt, and you will find... For this uh, podcast, and you will find all previous 271 episodes. It's quite a collection. If you haven't been with us in the five years now, since 2016, since we've been doing this podcast, and go back there and listen to some of the previous ones. You'll have some fun listening, and you'll get all caught up. You'll be right in tune with what we're talking about. Now, as I get my slide rule out here and I do my math, it looks like if there's a what 271 episodes in the vault then <laughs> carry the three uh yeah um there this is a uh, episode 272 <laughs> so what i wanted to talk about today i think will be helpful not only informative as the podcast always is but perhaps even helpful to you and this is the conveyance of uh, information that um, is not uh, based on opinion. This is not based on um, perhaps false information. This is medical, verified, validated information to help you. 
it's helped me and i felt that it helped me so much that i'd want to pass it on to you no i am not a doctor and i don't even play one on the podcast um but uh if this might be helpful to you perhaps it's something that you might look into if you ever encounter what i have recently encountered i i should preface the entire conversation by saying that uh I don't know about uh, all of you or some of you. You may share this habit. You may currently uh, do it. You may also have done it at one time and maybe you don't do it anymore. I'd like to think that I'm doing this or used to do this in the past tense. I like to think that I used to as opposed opposed to do. I'd like to think I used to. I'm in the process of having stopped for a while. So I am speaking of it in the past tense, but based on history, sometimes that doesn't always stick. So I'm, I'm dedicated to hopefully um, stopping this bad habit, but um, I'm also cognizant that I've said that and done this many times in the past and have fallen right back into it. So I'd like to think it's past tense forever. I would love to think that. It's been past tense, I would say, for at least you know a month or so or two, but I, I don't know the exact date. I didn't put it in my day planner. <laughs> but, um, but I'd like to think that overall it is not a habit I do anymore. And that, of course, is... Uh, maybe you share or shared this with me, but uh, I have been a nail biter for many years, for many decades. I don't know when it started or why it started. I don't know if it's a nervous habit. I just know that I've been doing it for a long time, and I know that I've stopped and I've tried to stop many times, and it's worked a few, you know, short periods, and I fall right back into it. I don't, I don't feel anxiety or feel nerves. But maybe this is why. Maybe this is an outgrowth, no pun intended, of, of that. And so, for whatever reason, I started biting my nails. Now, I know that I didn't get it from my parents. This has to be something internally. Um, because if anything, my mom and dad, and, and I'll tell you a story about my dad, but my mom always had very nice manicured nails, you know, she always had her nails done. You know, she came from that era where you had your nails done. And I'm, I'm sure I know. I mean, all you hear about today are petties, petties and medies, right? Pedicures and manicures, manies and petties. I don't think my mom had petties, but she certainly had manies. Maybe she did her own manies. I don't know. But her, she always had nail polish and her nails were always, you know, were always done and they were not you know, not bitten, right? That was that that generation. Now, the interesting thing, if I have one, I mean, I have several, but one of the most clearest and one of the most defining in many ways images of my dad who passed away, what, 16 years now this year, just last month, um, growing up, and I lived at home till I was 26. So I was there for a while, right? And I observed their behaviors. And I observed them. And I'm sure that my behavior and my personality is 
somehow a, a very odd <laughs> combination of the two of them as well as individual attributes of each of them, right? We all are. We all are, uh, you know, results of our upbringing. We may try to... <laughs> we may try to uh, to distance ourselves from it, but uh, and especially when we're younger, right? We all rebel. We all we're not, I'm not going to be like that. But it is funny as the years go by, and and you you start to to really notice that you are acting and even saying verbatim some of the things that you remember your parents saying, and you swore you never would. <laughs> But this, I know I did not get from my parents. The biting of the nails. As I said, my mom, always very well manicured. And here's the interesting part of it. My dad, my dad, always very well manicured. Now, you might say, well, what's so strange about that, Jim? Well, you know, my dad was born in the late 20s, right? He was very much a meat and potatoes kind of guy. He was not a metrosexual. There was no such thing back then. Today, yes, many men are very well-groomed and manscaped and manicured, right? That's, that's part of the deal. You know, we're all, you know, most people are on some kind of screen almost every day now. If they're not on television, they're on their, their, tel- their, their telephone or their computer, whether it's Zoom or TikTok or YouTube channels or whatever they're doing. So, so most people today are well-groomed, male and female, because we're, we are, at least in theory, we're always on stage. We're always performing, right? We're all, we're all reality stars in some way or another, whether a lot of people are watching or just our friends and family. So we are, we are being uh, you know, recorded all the time, and uh, we're cognizant of that, and uh, and we are acting appropriately. We are, for the most part, many people are we're very well groomed, right? There's a whole new cottage industry, as I said before, of manis and petties and and waxings for men and women, Brazilians for men and women. Yes, men. How scary is that? Um, you know, manscaping. You see on TV now all the commercials for manscaping. I mean, that would have been crazy twenty years ago. 30 or 40 years ago, 50 50 years ago, Burt Reynolds, and Google him if you don't know who he is, one of the the most popular actors of the 70s, um, you know, he did a a nude centerfold for for Cosmopolitan, and he had the hairiest chest and hairiest body on earth, and that was considered the sexiest thing on earth. He was the sex symbol, and he was a hairy mess. And in today's world, I mean, women probably look at that, and men, right? And look at that centerfold of Burt Reynolds and go, oh, that guy needs a manscape. He needs a groomer. Uh, our tastes and what is acceptable and, and attractive and sexy have great has greatly changed over the last 25, 30, 40 years. Body hair used to be considered uh, on a man uh, very uh, sexy and manly and macho. You know, John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, the shirt was open, the hairy chest was exposed. As I said, Burt Reynolds, hairy chest, hairy chest. That was a that was a sex that was a sex symbol kind of attribute. And somewhere, I believe, probably in the 
in the late 80s and early 90s, it started to change. And it went from, you know, hairy chest to no hair anywhere of any sort on your body. God forbid on your back, right? That's that's the biggest taboo. But even on your chest, on your arm, anywhere, you know. Today, it's the completely, you know, shaved perspective, you know. And, uh, but back then it wasn't, but, uh, but if I have, so my dad, like I said, was, it was, was a very kind of, you know, for his time, macho kind of guy, you know, rough and rugged kind of guy, a man of his time. He was, my dad was certainly a man of his time, except so you would not, and he was always very well groomed and very well put together. He was very cognizant of his his looks and his look. Um, he was he was never sloppy. But I'll tell you, the one thing that shocked me, I mean, I guess it shouldn't, but but you didn't see this happening with a lot of guys his age. And I mean, I I have a a very clear you know, image that is burned into my retinas. But my dad, and I would see him doing this at the kitchen table. And it was, it was, and it was very meth- methodical. It was very routine and it was very detailed. And I don't know how often he did it, but I would see him very often doing this. Sometimes I would, you know, I would actually watch this in awe. And he didn't try to hide it or anything. It wasn't like he was doing it on the sly. This, in his mind, this this was, this was a, a natural and accepted thing. It, it it was kind of odd to me. I never saw anybody else. I never did this. I never saw anybody else's dad doing this. But he did it. He would have a file and an emery board, and he would file his nails down, and you know, with the emery board and everything. And, you know, I'd see him doing this. And then the shocking, and I guess maybe what shocked me about it was, especially as a young kid, because I always saw my mom putting nail polish on, right? But I saw my dad. Now, he didn't have nail polish, you know, with colors. But my dad would would would, would file his nails and, and you know, and with the emery board and everything. And then with this clear polish, he would methodically put the nail, this clear polish on his nails. And so he always had these kind of very well manicured nails. And you never would expect that from this kind of rough and tumble guy that he, that he was, or at least that what he portrayed. Now, I don't know if this also perhaps was a way for him to stop biting his nails. I never thought of that until several years ago. Because I said this image of my dad with the nails and the nail polish and the, and the file on the emery board was, was very distinct in my memory. It's one of the, the lasting memories. I could just close my eyes right now and picture it. Um, but I'm wondering now, in retrospect, did he do that because perhaps at a time in his life he did bite his nails and he decided that the best way to stop that would be to put this polish on it so that he that it, it would you know he would not bite them because either it tasted bad or you know it would remind him not to do it i don't know i never asked him you know so often with our parents we observe things and we take things uh for granted and then 
unfortunately, when they're gone, we we're like, why didn't we? Why didn't I ask him? I I, I should have asked him this. I mean, because it, it wouldn't have been that much to ask him that, but I didn't. I just I guess I, I guess I just really just take it for granted, and it didn't really. I didn't question it. But now I'm wondering, like, why did he do that? When did he learn to do that? Who taught him how to do that? Now I must say that he did come from a very female dominated family, and that he had five sisters, mom. Um, their grandmother lived with them. So I don't know. He was seeing, seeing them do it. I don't know. But his, his, his hands, his fingernails were always very well manicured. And it, and it, I guess it's not completely out of, uh, you know, out of the type, because as I said, he wasn't a sloppy guy at all. To the contrary, he was very neat and meticulous and, and, and he was, he was well-groomed and he was very cognizant of his appearance. But um, but maybe he put this stuff on. I know that uh, I've talked to some people, and they do have some kinds of of nail coverings and things like that that you can put on your nails, that, that and they taste bad so that you won't bite them. So maybe that was what he was doing. I don't know when he did this, how long he did this, where he learned it, who taught him. I have no idea, but I know he did it, and it and it's a it's it's a very distinct image that I have of him. So I clearly did not get biting the nails from either one of my parents. At least I, I outwardly I didn't. Now maybe they had maybe they maybe they did paint their nails and you know my dad did all that in order to stop it. I don't know, but I never did. So I've been biting my nails for a good period of time. And and I don't know when I started it and I don't know why I started it. I don't know if it's a nervous habit. I don't feel nervous or I don't feel like a lot of anxiety, but maybe that's, you know, underlying. I don't know. But I know I've been biting them for quite a while. I know that I've stopped and started biting them and tried not to and things like that. I never really um I mean I my nail my my I don't think I don't know now. I don't think my my hands and my fingernails have looked terrible. But they probably certainly look like I've been hacking away at them, right? Like I've been biting them. I don't know. I've never really cared that much about that in order to, to really say I need to stop it. I never, no one's up until recently, which is a part of my story here, no one's really, I mean, I've had my wife and other people say, you shouldn't bite your nails. But it, 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 it's, it, it's not like, a, like it's been something that, uh, has in, is in my in my my view has been so maybe embarrassing that I that it would really cause me to stop it because it's you know that's a major thing. But maybe people say this by my back. I don't know. Maybe I'm known as the guy with the with the with the ugly fingernails. I don't know. But I say this in past tense because I have stopped biting them recently. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying my best now, and, and I'm saying this because of what I want to talk about today. But I should also preface this that um, I don't know if it's necessarily also been just a, a pure outgrowth of anxiety or nerves, which I think they always say that biting your nails is. Um, I also, I think, and I think it's, it's genetic, um, I've always had problems through most of my life that I can remember with the proverbial ingrown nail or the hang nail. I have had a lot of that. So I don't know if I started to bite my fingernails at a at a young age because I've always had like ingrown nails. 
And so maybe I've been picking at them and then biting them to get them out of there, and it just became a natural thing. But I have had a lot of problems. I've always had uh, ingrown uh, nails every so often, more than every so often, uh, on my fingers, and certainly on my toes, uh, and all my toes. I've had ingrown nails, and I to the point where I've, you know, uh, you know, I've got to cut them, and, and because if I if I don't. I will get ingrown nails. I don't know if it's the way they, they, they come in or something or the way they're shaped, but I've always had a problem with ingrown toenails. And my gosh, if you have, if you have never had an ingrown toenail or if you've never had that as a chronic problem, you know, consider yourself very lucky because it is painful. And many times it is hard to, to, to find them or cut them. You do have to go to a doctor. I mean, I've been able to do it to some extent successfully because I've had so many that if I went to a podiatrist or a doctor every time I had a, you know, I mean, there's, a, there's the old joke, you know, you go to a doctor for a hangnail. Well, if you've ever had a really bad ingrown toenail, uh, that's, no, that's no small little thing to just, you know, casually blow off or, or make it sound like it's a... It's a, a little thing. That can hurt, especially on your smaller toes because the nail is smaller, and so that ingrown nail takes on a, a greater proportion. And, you know, the, I, I, I mean, I dread every time I look at if I'm checking my nails and I see a little, a, little, a little redness or a little inflammation. I'm like, is there an ingrown toenail coming in? I mean, it's that, it's that bad. About, wow, Man, I would say 30-some years ago, I was in my early 30s, or early 20s, um, I was in college, and I had, you know, as I said, I, I've, I've, I've had enough ingrown toenails, especially on my big toes, where when I see, I could feel it coming on, or I see a little redness, and I've learned, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a pro at it, but I've learned in my own way how to, to find the, the ingrown nail and cut it and get it out. It's almost like you know the the old little you know fable about the uh, the lion with the uh, the thorn in its paw. I mean, man, an ingrown toenail can hurt, and and if it gets bad enough, and it's and it's big enough, and it's you know it can get infected, and but if not, it just it especially when you put your shoe on. I remember this this one really was bad. It was on my left foot or my right foot, and on my big toe, and uh, it was on the the left side. And it just, it, it was it was so embedded, it was so deep, and it, it had to have been big that I couldn't even find it. I, I mean, I couldn't cut it myself. I couldn't find it or get it to cut it out that I, I had done in the past. It wasn't just off to the side. It was deep and underneath, and it was just in a bad spot. And I don't know why it grew that way. The doctor really didn't know why. But, of course, being a, you know, a young kid, uh, you know, youthful ignorance, I was never one to go to doctors. I always used to uh, subscribe to the adage that the body has its own healing powers. It used to be a joke with my wife. The body has its own healing powers. Just, you know, get through a couple of days of, of uh, a little, uh, you know, irritability or, or some kind of pain, and the body will take care of itself. That's the way. I mean, I was, I was relatively, um, you know, ailment-free, for the for the first you know fifty years of my life, it's been the last few where oh my gosh, I've seen more doctors in the last couple of years than I saw in the first fifty years of my life. It's unbelievable. I don't know if that's the same with everybody, but it's certainly been the same with me. 
in the case with me and um and so now for somebody who never went to a doctor i go to the doctor all the time now i literally will go for a hangnail which is part of my story that i want to talk about today was it a hangnail or wasn't it should i should have gone or should i not have gone but um but yeah i i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a hypochondriac because a lot of times when i have gone um there has been things that need to be taken care of now I've, i'm thankfully many of these things that have that i've experienced over the last couple of years have not been serious but they they have needed attention and they have needed a doctor's care and diagnosis and treatment and so i have come now to appreciate the the doctor and appreciate their training and appreciate their ability to treat and heal um, I guess I never really appreciated it that much in the past because I was never really sick and never really had any ailments like serious enough. I rarely even had a cold, you know, so I didn't I didn't go through a lot of those things that, you know, some people do. And if it did hurt, I sort of made my way through it and it seemed to go away. So that's where I got this theory of the the body has its own healing processes, which it does. But there's some things that, you know. You need to get some assistance on, and I'm learning that, and I'm glad I'm learning it because it's it saved a lot of time and pain, and it 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 nips things in the bud too, so things don't dovetail off of that. You know, you get to the root of the problem, and you and you stop the the other problem. So I'm learning that now. We do gain wisdom with age. It took me a while, but I guess I'm I'm learning that. But um, but yeah, but the ingrown toenails things has been something that has dogged me my whole life, and I it must and I and I think the doctor even said, yeah, I mean this is the way your your nails seem to grow. You you just have a propensity for this, so it's just genetic, I guess. But this one nail on my right foot was so bad, and I let it go so long that it actually the whole nail started to get it wasn't just on the one side; it was the whole toe was so infected that I find I mean I couldn't breathe on it. I mean I couldn't put a shoe on. It, it, it was that painful. So finally, I relented, you know, of this idea of going to a doctor. And I went to a podiatrist and I took my shoe off and, you know, I had it wrapped in a Band-Aid and, you know, some gauze because it was so infected and it was so painful. And I took it off and the doctor went, whoa. <laughs> when you hear a doctor go, whoa, never a good sign. They've seen the worst. And if they go, whoa then you must be in bad shape. Yeah, when you hear them go, or wow, uh, you know that uh, you've either got something serious or you certainly have let something go a little too long. Well, that's what I did. Um, both, both, both points there. It was something serious and I let it go way too long. But I was assuming that, you know, I could, it would heal itself. Well, it didn't. And it was getting worse and worse. So he saw this thing, and he's like, uh, you know, he did an x-ray of it, and uh, he showed me the x-ray, and he says, you see all that, that shading on the side around here? He said, that's all infection. He's like, this thing is, is very infected. He said, we're going to have to take that nail out and get this infection out of there. He said, in fact, you really, you know, uh, you, you didn't, you, you're, you're almost to the point where, you know, you, you did come at the right time, but you were very close. If you waited another week or so, I don't know if I could even say that. Because this infection is so bad, it's getting close to the to the bone, and you could have actually maybe lost your toe because the infection was so bad. So, you little leaguers out there, you know, don't let this stuff go too long. 
you know, just buckle up and get to the doctor. So he uh, he said we're gonna have to take this nail off and you know clear this infection out and uh, and get started because this is uh, this is not good. So I'm now once I'm in the care of the doctor, I'm like, hey, whatever you have to do, doc, let's go. Now suddenly, you know, once I'm at the doctor, then I'm all I'm in your hands, right? Okay, work your magic. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I stubbornly didn't go for for the longest time, but then when I'm there, okay, doc, go ahead, let's do it. You know, well. He said, yeah, so we'll, I'll have to numb you up here, and then we're going to take this nail off. Well, he gave me the first Novocaine shot, and I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast or not, but I, it's worth repeating just because it plays into what I want to talk about uh, further here. So uh, he gives me one shot, and uh, he goes, he has this little pin, and he's like, can you feel that? And I said, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, really? Okay, well, let me give you another one. So he gives me another one, waits a couple of minutes, Goes with the pin. Can you feel that? I said, yeah. <laughs> said, really? So then he's kind of hesitant. He's like, well, I'll, I'll give you just a little more, but I really can't go the full length here, and I can't give you any more than this because it's not safe. He does that, waits a couple minutes, goes with the pin, and I still feel it like, like, it, like nothing. Like he didn't even give me a shot. And he's like, well, he goes, that toe is so infected that the Novocaine can't even cut through it. He's like, but we have to get that nail out. We have to get that out because it is, it, it's causing a lot of problems. He's like, so, uh, you know, it's, this is, and this is another thing. There's two things you don't want to hear the doctor do or say. You don't want to hear the doctor go, or, ooh, wow. And you don't want to hear the doctor say, this is going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the doctor's job is to make sure it doesn't hurt, but when there's certain things that they can no longer do to prevent that, you know it's going to hurt. When they even preface it by saying it's going to hurt, you know it's not just going to hurt a little. It's going to hurt a lot, and it sure did because basically he was going to have to take my nail off without as if I had no Novocaine, because I really didn't. I had three shots, but it wasn't doing anything, so he basically was going to take my nail off as if you just walked up to me and said, I'm taking your nail off without any kind of, you know, pain reliever. And that's basically what happened. And it was kind of like a torture you see in some of these movies. You know, they had to put these shoots, these these kind of things underneath the nail to pry it off. I mean, it was that painful. And it was that severe. And uh, And I felt every bit of it and i can still close my eyes and and imagine that and feel that pain in fact his nurse came in and i I don't know if she was there for moral support or whatever but um she wasn't a very big woman she was very slight woman very skinny not a lot of meat on her it's probably in her you know mid to late 40s i was only 20 or something at the time so everybody looked old to me right if you're older than 20 you looked older than you know to me but uh this poor woman she was very slight, very thin, not a lot of not a lot of meat on her. And when he started to put these these shoots under my nail to pry it off, I mean, I was sweating, and I grabbed that nurse's arm so hard. I'm surprised I didn't break her wrist or stop the circulation in her in her arm. <laughs> oh God, that hurt! Oh, I can still feel it. But at the same time, when he took that nail off, I mean, for all I know, it probably took 
a couple of minutes, if that. Maybe it was a minute. I don't know how long it took. It felt like forever, as you know. If you had anything painful done, it always feels longer than it was. It may have been in real time, maybe a minute. But my God, that was the longest minute on earth. But at the same time, when he took that nail out, it was as if he took out the thorn. There was a lot of pain there when it was in there. But at the same time, it felt so nice because that ingrown toenail, whatever it was pressing on and whatever it was doing in there was gone. And I was in pain, but I was out of pain. So it was it was kind of an odd sensation. I was in pain during this removal of the nail, but once the nail was off, that old pain I was having this 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 pain like a like a knife in my toe, just sitting there. Forget about when I was walking, but just sitting there, it just it just went away. And um, and the cool thing about that whole process was then. In order for it not to happen again, and I give this doctor great credit because it's been 30-some years, I have never had another problem with that toe or an ingrown toenail. He, he put this, this, uh, you know, this liquid on the side. So he said, when the, when the, no, when the nail grows back, I'm going to put this application of this liquid that is going to kill the nail cells there on the side. So when your nail grows back... It's going to grow straight. It's not going to be curved. It's going to be flat, but it's not going to be able to grow to the side and have an ingrown toenail. So this is probably going to end this for you. And it did. And with time, it healed. And the, you know, the, the skin came next to the nail. And you would never know if you looked at my toenail on the right foot that I had this done. And it's never had, you know, I've never had any problems with it again. In fact, it's been so great that I'm even thinking about doing it to my left toe. I don't have any major ingrown toenail on it before, but I'm thinking maybe I should proactively do this because every so often I do get that and I do have to go in and clip them and sometimes it, it is ingrown and I have to, you know, you know, battle around in there and pull that thing out. And I'm like, you know what? It might just be better if I have that done proactively. Yes, he's going to have to, you know, they won't have to pull that whole nail off like this because it won't be infected, hopefully. You know, I'm trying to do this proactively, but they will have to, you know, cut some of the nail and it's going to be painful and there's going to be a little, you know, kind of rehab on that, you know, a little time where it's going to be sore and stuff like that. But in the long run, it's going to eliminate an ingrown toenail on that. So I'm actually thinking of having that done. But my point is I've got these nails, this nail problem. So I, so I don't know if biting my nails is really all about nerves or it's just because I, I get these ingrown fingernails as well that I just have naturally been biting them in order to get them out. And so they've become kind of a preoccupation and it becomes a habit. I'm not really sure, but the fact of the matter is they're there and I've had to play with them and get and, and do things. Which brings us to 2021. Um, about two months ago, I noticed my the middle finger of my left hand uh, around the cuticle and on the right side of my finger, I noticed a little redness. 
which usually is the first indication of an ingrown fingernail or toenail, right? A little redness. But I wasn't feeling anything, and sometimes it just goes away, right? So, And then a couple of days later, I noticed that it was getting a little more red and a little more inflamed, and it was starting to hurt just a little. And I was looking around and pushing my nail open to see is there is is there a nail growing is there an ingrown but i didn't see anything well the third day it woke me up in the middle of the night (laughs) i mean and when i woke up i looked at my finger and it was swollen on the uh, you know the bottom where the cuticle is in the front and on the side and it was getting like hot and it was getting really red to the point where I woke up at two or three in the morning and, and honestly, I don't think I went back to sleep. It was pulsing and it was really hurting to the point where I said, okay, I, you know, I'm looking and I'm looking at it and it's clearly infected and, uh, and I don't see a nail in there. And I'm like, you know what, once again, now the new me, I, the old me would have, would have waited a couple more days and tried to dig around or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm going, I'm going to the urgent care. So that's a good thing that I've come to realize that I, you know, I can't do this. I need help. Right. So, I mean, I couldn't wait till eight o'clock when that place opened up and I ran down there and I had a, you know, a little bandaid on there. I don't know if you've ever gone to the emergency room or certainly emergency room if you've ever been there, or if you even go to one of these urgent care places, but um, you know, there's people in there that, you know, they come in with some, some serious things. They come in, they've got, you know, casts on their feet, crutches, walkers, wheelchairs, gurneys right you know slings on their arm bandages you know who knows they're limping you know there's they look like they have real problems right that's why they're there well i walk in and uh you know i i've got none of that all i've got is a little band-aid on my finger <laughs> i almost felt you know paranoid like am, am i being hypochondriac on this because look at all these other people that are, they look like they've got really some serious problems. And I walk in with, you know, what's, what's your problem? You know, what's, what's wrong with you today, sir? My finger hurts. <laughs> you know, I, got, I have a Band-Aid on my finger. But, hey, if you've ever had, if you had, you know, an ingrown fingernail or toenail, you know how it hurts. So, I mean, I had to get over that and just say, hey, yeah, I don't care whether it looks like I'm, outwardly in pain i am in major pain and i was up all you know all morning here with this and i got to get this done whether whether it looks impressively serious or not it hurts like heck so i um you know i i and i was like first in i was like one of the first people there and what's so funny is even when you're the first person there the first person at the doctor's office or the first person at the urgent care even if you're the first person there you still have to wait I don't know if that's just built in. Like, you just have to wait. There was no one else really there. And I still didn't get in right. It wasn't like, say, go right in, sir. I still had to wait, you know, five, seven minutes. But I go in there with my little, you know, know, Band-Aid on, walked right in. I'm not limping. I, you know, I got use of both arms and both legs and no bandages on my head. So they're probably thinking, what the heck is this guy? What What a wimp this guy is. But I didn't care. My finger hurt. It hurt a lot. And it was getting ruby red, and it was really swollen, and it was getting to be painful. So I knew that I had a problem. So um, 
But I was kind of paranoid, like, you know, when the doctor comes in, now, what is she going to do? Is she going to, you know, take an x-ray? I mean, you know, this, because, I mean, this looks serious to me. So the doctor walks in, and uh, she said, what can I do for you? And I said, well, and I, so she's standing up, and I begin to take off my Band-Aid. And as I peel the Band-Aid off to reveal the nail, she saw it. She didn't even sit down. <laughs> I mean, she was still standing, maybe on her way to sit down. And she saw it in two seconds. She goes, oh, that's, uh, oh, you have, uh, you have an infection there. You know, uh, that's paronychia. Yeah, that's paronychia. Okay, so um, I'll give you, a, um, I'll give you a, a, an antibiotic and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, that's paronychia. So she diagnosed it within seconds. I didn't know I had paronychia. I didn't know I had a thing. I just knew I had an infection. I didn't know that it had a name, right? You just think I have an infection, but she knew that it was a name. It was an, it, it, I had a thing. I had paronychia. She knew it. She looked at it in two seconds and diagnosed it. So those eight years of medical school certainly paid off for her. She took one look, paronychia. Next. <laughs> but I'll have to, I have to tell you, in her diagnosis, she said something to me that may have hurt, if not as much, perhaps even more, than the infection in my finger. She prefaced the diagnosis with, oh, I see you bite your fingernails and your cuticles. I don't think she said it in a disdainful scolding way i think she was just being she was diagnosing it the reason i got this infection was because i probably bit my cuticle which opened up the ability for some bacteria to get into that fold of the skin and that's how the infection started so she wasn't i don't think she was she said this with disdain or with Shame on you. But also, I do believe that she was saying it in such a way to say, you know, this was something that you caused. This was preventable. This wasn't naturally occurring. You bit your nails. You bit your cuticle. You created this opening for the bacteria to enter your, 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 your finger, and it did, and now you have this um, you know, this infection. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, we, all, we also like to think when we get sick that it's not our fault, right? Don't we? We, we seem to like that. We also always hope that, you know, this was something that you couldn't have prevented. We love to hear that because we don't like to hear that we somehow are responsible for our bad health. We like to think that it came from somewhere else. Right. Well, you know, it's, you know, well, you know, the fact is we are responsible, but we like to think we aren't. But she made it very clear to me, as I said, not in a mean way. In fact, I'm 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 appreciative for her saying that because she was telling me, first of all, she was telling me the reason for it. You know, we always want to know, well, why did this happen? A lot of times doctor will treat something. You'll say, well, well, what caused this or how did it happen? And they really don't have an answer. But she clearly had an answer. 
you bit your fingernails, you bit your cuticle, it, it, it created an opening and bacteria got in there and infected it. So I really, I, when I go to the doctor, I always, I always want to know why this happened. Well, she told me. But I'll tell you, that, that, that comment really cut to me because this is a bad habit. I didn't need to be doing this. And so I created this situation. And then suddenly, I was so aware of all my fingernails because she said, oh, you clearly bite your fingernails. So she was looking at my hands, not maybe not just my one finger, but all of them, and knowing that I bit my fingernails. And so all these years, I didn't really think anything about my my fingernails and how they looked and didn't even think that anybody noticed them. But maybe they have, as I said earlier. Who knows? Maybe I was known as the guy with the bad fingernails. I don't know. No one ever said anything to me except maybe my mom said, stop biting your fingernails, right? But what you know, your, your mom tells you that all the time. Stop, 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 right? But here was a, a third party who was observing them and, and in a very objective way just said, oh, I see you, cut your, you, you bite your fingernails. And it wasn't said in a, in a complimentary way. It may have been tied to this infection, but she was also kind of, I think, at least maybe in my own paranoia, making a, another comment about this bad habit in general, like you shouldn't do that because it does lead to this. Not only does it lead to this, but it looks terrible too. I'm reading that into it, but that's what happens, right? So when she says, you know, this is why you have it. Here's what you do. We'll give you some you know, antibiotics and, and uh, you have this thing. And I'm like, oh, you know, in fact, I, 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 here's, here, here it is. Here's the, here's the, the official definition. Paronychia is an infection of your nail fold caused by bacteria or a fungus. So the nail fold is right where the nail and the skin meet, right in the front. It says the nail fold is the skin around your fingernail. And it may happen suddenly or it could last for, for several weeks and it could happen on your fingers or your toes. So boom, I had paronychia. Never do it. She saw it in two seconds. You got an infection, give you an antibiotic. So now I had paronychia. But here's the, the cool thing. Not only did she diagnose it, not only did she give me this little subtle hint, at the very least, at least that's the way I took it, this subtle hint like, you know, you probably should stop biting your fingernails. So that was the first takeaway. I was kind of shamed into, for the first time really, feeling like, a shame that I bit my fingernails. Not only did they, now in my mind, they look terrible, but they caused this unnecessary ailment. And so that day, I decided I was going to stop biting my fingernails. Now, I said to you before, I had um, I had done this in the past. I stopped biting my fingernails. I never, never forget the one time, the first time I really made a concerted effort to stop biting my fingernails. It was, I remember sen- senior year in high school. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I stopped biting my fingernails to the point where my fingernails started to really grow long and they were probably weak because they never grew that long. 
I mean, my nails were always, you can always see the top of my fingers, of, of the skin of my fingers, because my nails were always bitten down, right? But now the nail was actually growing above the finger, above the skin of my nail. I, I never saw that before. It was so cool that I got so excited by it. And then, guess what I started to do? I got an emery board out, like father, like son. I didn't, I didn't use the fingernail polish. I wasn't ready for that. But I did get out the emery board and started to manicure my nails. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it certainly was something I could never do before because my nails were so bitten down, I never even you know, felt like I had nails, right? Well, I probably had stopped biting them at that time for maybe about a month or so. And so now they were, you know, they looked fine. They looked great. I was, I was, I was, you know, know, filing them and I was so proud of them. I was so proud of the fact that I said, I'm not going to bite my nails. And I didn't. Well, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm a teenager here. And so I was playing, uh, throwing a football around, you know, Mr. Macho and, uh, all it took was a couple of passes and a couple of catches of the football, and at least, I would say, seven of my ten nails all broke. <laughs> I mean, they shattered because, like I said, they, 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 were so, they were so fragile. They were so weak because they never grew this far that they just shattered, and I was shattered. When I, I caught this pass, I looked down, and I'm like, you know, I'm an 18-year-old kid, right? You know, I'm an 18-year-old boy, and I'm you know, hanging out with my friends, and I'm like, oh, I broke a nail. <laughs> I could only imagine what they were thinking. <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing? But I was so proud of these nails, and I was within a second, all my, my willpower of the last month were, were literally destroyed within minutes of throwing this football. And I think I may have gotten so downhearted by that. That I started, you know, to just bite them again, you know, but I'd never forget. I looked down after I caught a couple of passes and they were shattered. I was like, oh, my beautiful nails. I broke a nail. So uh, I've, I've been in the past. I have been able to stop biting my nails, but I made a concerted effort now when this doctor said I had, you know, this infection because I bite my nails. So I was leaving that, that hospital with a new lease on life. Stop! I'm going to stop biting my nails so this won't happen again because I don't want this. This hurts, and I could prevent this. But B, you know, maybe my nails do look, maybe my hands just do look bad because I'm, I always bite my nails, right? No one's ever said anything to me until now. But here's the other thing. She also said, okay, so take these antibiotics, but also... I want you to soak your finger about two or three times a day in a mixture of half vinegar and half water and warm it up. It doesn't have to be scolding so that you can't put it in there, but it needs to be a little warm and soak your finger three or four times a day for about a week. So apparently, and I looked that up, and apparently this is also another thing that the I guess the water and vinegar can help kill the bacteria. So she was giving me the antibiotic that would would kill the infection, but she also was telling me to do this to sort of kill the infection or the bacteria. So I did that. And within, you know, a week or so, 
I took all the pills and it gradually, the infection went away, the swelling went down, the redness went down and everything was fine. And now I was not biting my nails anymore. But, you know, it started again. Well, now, you know, since I had this parent, how do I say that now? Parent, Paranikia, since I had this paranikia now, now once again, as soon as I get something and I know what it is, I become hypersensitive and I'm always watching it. So over the last two months now, I have been really looking at my, even though I've been biting them, not as much as I used to, but I was still biting them. I was really paying attention to see if I was going to get another, um, you know, infection. Because now I knew what paranikia was, and I knew how I got it. So I have been looking at my fingernails all the time now. Well, sure enough, about a month ago, and I've been pretty good, though. I wasn't biting them all the time, but I was still nibbling every so often. You know, I couldn't go cold turkey. And I was upset with myself, but I was still realizing that I wasn't biting them as much, and I was. I even got to the point a few times where I could get out the emery board, so that was huge progress. But then, you know, I started to bite a little for whatever reason. Well, I noticed again on that same finger it getting red in the same spot and kind of hurting, not a lot. It was clearly the beginnings again. And I'm like, son of a bee, here we go again. Am I gonna am I gonna go back to the urgent care? And I'm probably gonna get the same nurse and I'm gonna get the same comment. And now I'm gonna get a real lecture. She sort of gave me the hint, but now she's gonna she, I know if she sees me again, she's gonna go, Sir, you have to stop biting those nails, or this is gonna happen all the time, because clearly it was happening. So I was uh, I was mad at myself for this for doing it again and and possibly getting it again. I was mad at myself because I was saying to myself, I'm going to have to probably go back again and now, you know, open myself up to this lecture again. Probably more of a lecture than I had the first time. So before I went, because I wasn't really feeling the pain yet, I just saw a little redness. I said, well, let let me try the vinegar and water soak. Perhaps I could get this before it gets too infected. Let me, let me, maybe I can kill this bacteria now before it gets to the, the point where I need to get those antibiotics again. Let me, I, I'm noticing it, so this is good. Even my, if my, my hypochondria or my paranoia about watching in my nails wasn't a bad thing because I was noticing this and I noticed it very quickly this time instead of maybe not even noticing at all until it started to hurt and I was able to take care of it. So you can call me a a hypochondriac, but because now I am getting a lot more attuned to my body and any kinds of pains and even especially repeating things and I know what to look for, I am actually being more cognizant and I'm being preventive. I'm I'm getting ahead of things as opposed to so they're not I mean some I mean they're not really hypochondriac things. I've been when when there's nothing wrong, I'm still looking at waiting for something, but then something does happen. 
So I don't know what you call that. A a hypo a a a, a valid hypochondriac? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I said let me try the part vinegar, you know, same part vinegar, same part water soak for, you know, two or three times a day and see if that helps. Well, I have to tell you folks, we have this amazing, you know, modern medicine and we've got vaccines and shots and, you know, pills and you name it to, you know, to help out and treat our ills, right? We've got liquids and everything, you name it, ointments. But here was good old vinegar and water. I soaked this middle finger about 10 minutes a day, three times a day for about three days. And sure enough, the redness went away. Whatever pain, there wasn't any real pain, but it, it, there wasn't, it was gone. The water and vinegar clearly killed that bacteria. So I didn't need to go to the urgent care. I didn't need to have the doctor tell me, you know, you really should stop your biting of your nails because I already know that. And the fact that I was able, and it was, it was heartening for me to know that I, that my diligence on, on listening to my body and paying attention to my body paid off here. And also, taking the doctor's advice, remembering what she said about this water and vinegar and being amazed and marveled that what seemed to be not a medical treatment, but kind of an old-fashioned remedy really did work. Good old vinegar and water. You got it around the house. So I don't know, ultimately, what vinegar and water does and a normal infection, but it clearly kills bacteria. So let me just pass this along to you and don't take my word for it. Go online and look up and say, you know, what does oil, does vinegar and water, you know, cure an infection or kill bacteria. So maybe if there's something that you notice around your fingernails or maybe your toes at the very least, I'm not saying this cures everything, but this was, this, this was, a directive that was given to me is my after-visit summary. So clearly, this is not voodoo. It's not some old wives' tale. They said, soak it in vinegar, you know, half part vinegar, half part water. So I'm passing this along to you. If you might have some problems with your fingernails or your toenails, you get infections or maybe ingrown uh, toenails or something like that, or you just get some infections. Maybe you bite your nails like I did. I say did because since I self-healed, and I I say that I self-healed because I did not have to go to the doctor. I self-healed with the help of my vinegar and water solution. Since my self-healing, that gave me a whole new lease on my fingernail situation. And since then, I have not been biting my fingernails. They have been growing again. I have been uh, using the emery board, and I've been very proud, especially proud of my, my thumbnails. Oh, my goodness. 
They are round and they've got that translucent thing. They're above the skin. Oh my gosh, my thumbnails are, are gorgeous. But I have to tell you, it happened again. I was doing something. I don't know if I was picking weeds or something. And I broke a nail. And I was so upset, but this time I didn't let it get me down. I went in and I, I, you know, filed it down so it was even. And I'm like, okay, it'll grow back. But I was so disappointed because once again, I was so proud of the fact that I didn't cut, my, I didn't bite my nails. I was so diligent, so good, and they were growing. So I was seeing the fruits of my my willpower, my nails were growing to the fact that they were growing so much that, you know, when I scratch something, if I have an itch somewhere, um, you know, without nails to get any kind of relief, I'd have to always really scratch hard. Well, now I have these knives on my finger. I'm like, I'm like Edward Scissorhands. I don't even know my own strength or my own power. You should see how scratched up my legs and my arms are, and I even scratched my, the, like my, the, my temple because I had an itch because I don't know my own strength. I, I'm Edward Scissorhands now. I, don't, I forget that I have these 10 sharp weapons growing out of my fingers. I have to learn how to use my fingers again in terms of scratching because I have scratched the hell out of myself because I'm using the same force that I used to when I had no nails, but now I do have nails. And so it looks like I've just been mauled by a tiger. So uh, another lesson, when you start to grow your nails, learn, you little leaguers out there, when your nails start to grow, realize you can't, if you never had nails before, if you bit your nails all the time, realize that you've got some serious sharp things on there now. So go easy with the scratching because you're going to draw blood. <laughs> but at the very least, just know that with a little willpower and a little less power when you scratch and a little water and vinegar, you too can have Nice, clean, uninfected nails. And man, is it nice to go through life. It's kind of sad, though, when you do break one. I mean, I broke a nail. What's a guy to do? And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com, or we are found wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the podcast, and also send a message and send a link to your friends and family, and tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 272. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. I broke a nail. <laughs>